first Easter's with my high school friends. I remember the fun of dyeing eggs in the bright spring colors of red and green and blue and yellow, dressing up to attend an Easter service, and finally ending with eating good food together in a celebratory fashion. However, at that point, I really had no idea of why we did any of these things or what we were even celebrating. To me, it was simply getting a chance to take part in a popular holiday with my friends. No one then told me the reason we were celebrating, and I didn't think to ask. Now that I finally know why we have Easter, I can't help but think back to those times and ask now, how did I miss out on knowing about Jesus' death and resurrection? At that time, I didn't have the fear of missing out or FOMO, as my generation calls it. When it came to the story of Jesus dying on the cross, because I didn't know it. I didn't understand it. I had no clue of how I was involved at all in this world-changing phenomenon. Brothers and sisters, today is Good Friday. Before we pull out the colorful dresses and suits and eat decadent cakes and sing hallelujah for the resurrection of our Savior, we must first stop and take in the full breadth of Jesus' suffering as he willingly went to die on that heinous Roman death device, the cross. The Passion, Jesus' journey to the cross, is a story of great suffering. Jesus was an innocent man. He was holy and pure, sinless and righteous, and yet he faced an unfair trial of great condemnation and hatred from those around him. Ultimately, he died a shameful and horrific death. The reality is that very few of us, if any at all, have ever experienced anything near the pain Jesus went through. Very few of us, if any at all, have ever suffered the extreme humiliation Jesus went through. And I'm positive none of us have ever felt in our bodies and souls the weight of all the sins of the world. But Jesus was the one man who took on the sins of the entire human race. How, did we, how do we even begin to understand the spiritual torment he experienced? And why should it matter for us? I don't think we'll understand the full significance of Jesus' death or the glory of his resurrection unless we come to know two points, two crucial reminders. The first is knowing how we are involved in the story of the cross. The second is understanding that it is God's will to save mankind through Jesus' suffering and death. Isaiah's prophecy in our readings today will help us understand these two points. So please turn with me in your Bibles to look at Isaiah 53, beginning at the bottom of page 613 and continuing on to page 614. 
first reminder is that we must not forget how we are involved in Jesus' suffering and death. We must not forget that we are the very reason for Jesus' death on the cross. Isaiah 53's prophecy of the nameless suffering servant is an uncanny blueprint of Jesus' crucifixion journey. In verse 4 we see, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah pulls back the curtain for us. It was our griefs and sorrows that became the weight he bore and carried to the crucifixion hill. It is truly fitting that Jesus is deemed as a man of sorrows, as we read in verse 30. However, this description is not significant just on an emotional level. The word sorrows in the original Hebrew language encompasses physical and mental pain. The reason for our physical and mental pain is far more than the speculation that life randomly throws horrible things in our general direction. As Christians, we believe the reason for the fallenness and evil in our world and in our humanity is because of sin. The effects of our sins become the countless grief sorrow, and pain we experience daily in this life. Jesus committed to personally take on and carry to his death all of humanity's sin, all of our physical and mental pain, all our grief, all our sorrow, and all our brokenness. And yet, Despite knowing the depths of our own human depravity, there are those who still find themselves being the crowd who spectates Jesus' affliction from afar. Maybe some of us have experienced being part of that crowd. I sure have. The end of verse 4 states, We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. We still regard Jesus' suffering from afar. Our own sins and sorrows paralyze us as we stand and watch from the crowd. Can we not understand that every whip to Jesus' marred flesh and every excruciating gasp of breath he took hanging on the cross was for our sins? Take this in. It was our sins that yelled, Crucify him! Crucify him! It was our sins that scourged Jesus. It was our sins that hung him on that cross. The beginning of verse 5 undeniably furthers this reality. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Isaiah shows us here that it is impossible to separate our sins from Jesus' suffering. It is, in fact, our transgressions and our iniquities for which Jesus was pierced 
and crushed. We are the reason for Jesus' suffering and death. So when Jesus is put on trial, berated, flogged, mocked, and tortured, we see this reaction in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. We should not hide our faces from the heartbreaking scenes of Jesus being beaten and forced to carry his own cross, because this is the very fulfillment of the role of God's suffering servant. So dear friends, let's continue to press into the end of Lent by embracing the reality that our sins are in fact the reason for Jesus' death. Let us not be like the crowd that looks from afar, or like those who hide their faces from looking upon Jesus' suffering. I encourage us to wholeheartedly gaze at Jesus' death on the cross, to submit to Jesus every sin grief, and pain. For he indeed has carried them all to the cross and died for them. The second reminder we receive from Isaiah 53 is that we must not forget God's will to save man through Jesus' suffering. Yes, it was our sins that pinned Jesus to the cross, for our Lord defeated death so that today we can turn our hearts in joyous hope toward the resurrection. And though we were the reason for all the blood Jesus shed, the suffering servant was always involved in God's redemptive plan for mankind. God had a will for Jesus' suffering that involved us. And the very reason for his death was to save us. God's plan was salvation for all of mankind, a plan far greater than anything we can comprehend. So continuing Isaiah's prophecy, verse 10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. When we recognize that Jesus' suffering was in God's own will, we see God's compassion and love for us through Jesus' willingness to take our place of punishment. Verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. On the road to his death, Jesus, who was unbearably and in unimaginable pain, also felt a terrible anguish in his soul as he took on the sins of humanity. However, out of that anguish came a promise. He shall see and be satisfied. 
In every step of suffering, Jesus knew the glorious result of his sacrifice. He would make many to be accounted righteous. To be accounted righteous means to be made just or to be made right again with God. No longer are we slaves to sin. We become God's very own children, embraced into his family through believing in what Jesus did on the cross for us. We must believe in what Jesus did for us. And with that faith, live as followers of his way, his victory, and his promise. He who was perfect and righteous, became a servant to die so that many lost souls, many steeped in hopelessness and sin, many far from God, sheep turned to their own way, could be accounted righteous, made right with God through faith in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, everything changes. Our lives are formed differently. Our priorities are redirected. Our hearts, minds, and souls take on grace, love, indescribable joy, and an endless living hope. In verse 12, we see even more of God's will to save us. There I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus, Jesus humbled himself to the point of death so that we could be distributed the spoils of victory over death. Mm -hmm. He numbered himself with us transgressors so that we could gain the portion of freedom from the bondage of sin. So as we look toward Resurrection Sunday, I want each of us to prepare our hearts to open and receive the gifts of new life and forgiveness through Jesus' sacrifice. What portion of freedom does God want to give to you? What spoil of victory over sin and death do you need to receive? If you've never received God's invitation for you to enter into his victory over sin, I encourage you to reach out and receive this gift. Pin your old life to the cross to die with Jesus and walk into a resurrected new life. Jesus God in the flesh poured out his soul to death and took your place of punishment and condemnation so that you can be accounted righteous, made right with God, and be his own in eternity. From death to life, from condemnation of sin to righteousness in God. This is the reality of our faith when we remember God's will to save man through the suffering and death of Jesus.
So brothers and sisters, again I say let us look upon Jesus on the cross wholeheartedly so that we may understand and enter fully into the reality that upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. Amen. Amen. Amen.